0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Well, good morning, everyone. Faith Family Church members, I personally want to welcome all of you on behalf of my wife, Pastor Vicki, and I thank you for joining us online this morning. Not the best, but the second best. We are trusting God that we've been saying this now for, this is the fifth Sunday, and um, I believe that uh, America's awakening, and that we'll be back full-time here at Faith Family Church real soon. But like I shared last week about faith and patience, you just keep growing in God, Um, keep your house as a sanctuary for God, use it as a time of prayer, meditating on the Word, sharing with your children. And enjoying this time together as best that you can. Thank God that you and I, we are people of faith. And faith is for a purpose. It's to believe God when things are going contrary to His word. Knowing that God is faithful to perform all that He's promised. So you stay in faith. Amen. So good to have all of you with us. If you aren't part of our church and you're joining us today, thank you. We count it an honor. Every time people come into the sanctuary, when we do have church... ...that are visiting. We call them our guests. And if you are a guest today, welcome. We're humbled and grateful that you would join us. And I know personally that the message that God gave me today is going to profit you greatly. So don't turn off the uh, online. Stay with us till the end. And I know that God will bless you. We're going to receive the offering now. And um, and so thank you, members of Faith Family Church, for being faithful and bringing your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. We're extremely grateful... For your faith and your obedience to God because that is the key to honoring and pleasing God is that you have faith and then you follow through with obedience. And, of course, the Bible does say to bring the tithes to the storehouse. And I just want to throw this out there just for simply, um, if you're out there listening to us and you don't have a home church... I encourage you to come and visit Faith Family Church. We have been here 39 years now. And we have studied, my wife and I, the word of God for 50 years. And so we know that it's going to profit Uh, our people, but it will profit you as well. If you don't have a church, we would be honored to have you come and visit two or three times, and because it's important that you be in the exact church that God has for you. And then if you haven't found a place to bring your tithes, send them here to Faith Family Church. We will take them and use them to reach out to the community as well as to the world. Amen. Now, the book of Hebrews, the seventh chapter, as you're preparing your offering and your tithes, the Bible says in Hebrews seven. It talks about Melchizedek. Well, if you study the word of God, well, we'll just read it. It explains it here. This Melchizedek was the king of Salem and the, priest, uh, and the priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings, and Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Okay? And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. He gave this priest, or it actually was a high priest, he gave him the tithe of his victory when he went into battle. Okay? First his name means Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem or Salam. It means it means the king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, and without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So literally, this was the Son of God. It says here in Hebrews, like it, but you cannot have a genealogy that didn't begin or end without you being divine. So I believe this is the third person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, because it says in the former chapter at the end of the verse that he is our Melchizedek. He's our high priest that we go to uh, with our petitions and with our prayers. Amen. And he goes on and says this. Just think. Oh, it goes on and says, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Or his ministry does. Now listen to this. Now, just think of how great he was that even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth from the people, that is, their brother, excuse me, a tenth of the of the plunder. Now, the law requires the descendants of Levi, who became priests, to collect a tithe from the people, that is, their brothers, okay? Now, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham, this man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him Who had the promises. Now watch this. Without a doubt the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case the tenth is collected by men who die. He's talking about in the Old Testament under Levi. He says the tenth is collected by men who die. Why? Because Aaron and every priest after him they died. Okay. So they did give into him. But actually they weren't given to Levi. They were given into Abraham. And without it, he goes on and says, But in the other case, by him, that's Jesus, who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestors. So Jesus Christ, it says here in Hebrews, he's the the Melchizedek of the church. He's the high priest. He's the one you bring your offering to. Melchizedek had two ministries. And so does Jesus. He... Conferred the blessing and received the tithe. It so reminded me of the book of Haggai. Where God said to Haggai, even before you guys begin to rebuild the temple, even before the seed gets in the field, I'm going to bless it. So see, it's not the, it's not the, um, it's not simply just the action of giving. It's the heart attitude of giving. It reminds me of this. Abraham, he didn't have to sacrifice his son. He just laid his arm up there and was ready to, and then he just said, I already know that you've done it in your heart. So when you bring your tithes, it's a heart attitude. Now we know the tithe is the 10%, okay? So that 10%, even though it all belongs to God, he requires the 10th of it. Why? Because it, it, the, the tithe represents two things. That God is the owner of your life, okay? It, he's the owner of your life. You don't own anything. And that through your tithes, you're acknowledging his ownership, and that you have faith in him for the provisions of your life. And that you know that every, even the seed that you have came from God. So when you bring it, bring it in faith. Bring it, bring it with praise in your heart and gratitude that God is your faithful high priest. And he blesses that. He receives the tithe and then he returns that great blessing into your life. Even in reverse, he blesses you even before you give it. That's how, that's how much he trusts you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for blessing the tithe today. We bring it in faith and obedience. And I know, God, others will be, will be bringing offerings as well. So, God, I praise you that, number one, that heavens are opening right now. The windows of heaven are opening right now. And that you're pouring out a blessing upon your people. But also, Father, I thank you that the offerings, God, that is seed, multiplied seed coming back to them supernaturally on every wave. And, Father, I thank you and I declare my faith that every family of Faith Family Church Those tithers, those givers are redeemed from the curse of black and poverty. And God, that they walk in the prosperity that you have designated for them in your word. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah. Oh my goodness, is it hard. I saw a couple families yesterday as I was out and about. And oh, was it a joy. It was like a homecoming. It really was. I mean, I, we miss all of you so much. And yet, we know that God's taking care of you. And yet, this is an opportunity for you to grow in grace and truth yourself. For you to become disciplined. Amen. You know, a true walk of faith is <clears throat> when there's nobody around, but you're still trusting God. You're still worshiping Him. You're still loving Him. And you're still serving Him. Even while we're not here. That, that is a true reflection of your love and faith for God. In Jeremiah, the 29th chapter... Oh, let me also say this. If, you, if this message benefits you, if the messages have been profiting you, and, and I'd love to hear. It. I'd just love to hear. We've already heard some, but I'd love to hear. It. If it benefits your life, if it's profited you, if this week, coming week, something good happens because you received this word, please let us know about it. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email. Uh, to Pastor Bang at com. I'd love to hear from you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know, God speaking, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace, and not for evil. Welfare and peace, welfare, not the welfare that the, we know as Americans. No, it's talking about the best. God has the best for you, the best interest for you. He cares every, about you richly. And welfare and peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. The New Living Translation says, There are plans for good and not for disasters to give you a future and a hope. Now we know from the scriptures, God is specifically, or excuse me, Jeremiah specifically is dressing God's people, the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Okay. So, however, you and I can embrace or take hold of these same rights that were promised to Israel at this time because we are the seed of Abraham. Galatians uh, Galatians 3, verse 29 says, If ye be Christ's, if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So whatever God promised Abraham, that promise belongs to you because you're in him through Christ Jesus our Lord, okay? When the children of Israel found them saves, themselves as enslaved, when they found themselves enslaved at Pharaoh in Egypt, that's in Exodus 3, God honored his promise To Abraham by sending them a deliverer, and that deliverer, of course, we know is Moses, who was the type of Christ. And he successfully brought them out of bondage and led them, listen, to the edge of the promised land, because that's what God had designated for them, a land of promise. And God does not retreat on his promises. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, listen, this was to be an 11-day journey. That's it. Eleven days, 11 days of trusting Moses' leadership. 11 days of unified faith in God. 11 days of reverence and worship, and 11 days of praise and thanksgiving. 11 days. But listen to this. The number 11 in Hebrews, very, the Hebrew word, uh, not, the meaning for the, the me, Hebrew meaning for the number 11 listen to this. it often represents a symbol of imperfection: judgment <clears throat> and disorder. <clears throat> it's associated with things that would be considered imperfect, a disorganization of systems, and the disorder or chaos of things. That right there is the fruit of Adam's transgression. That's why God came in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead. He came to straighten out the dysfunctional disorganization, the calamity, and the chaos of humanity, both inward and outward. Amen. These are the very things the body of Christ is confronted with on a daily basis as we journey, take our e- journey to our eternal destination, which is called heaven. Finally, the word number 11 also is a symbol of refinement. Refinement. See, very interesting. What if this was the opportunity for refinement in your life? Are you home complaining? You know, are you home just negative, fighting, yeah, What is the environment of your home? That's why I believe that God spoke prophetically to my wife regarding making your home a sanctuary. Because he knew that the, 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 the warfare would intensify just by you not being in church. That's why, one of the reasons, God said make your home a sanctuary. <clears throat> According to Numbers 13 and Hebrews 3, unbelief was the pandemic that swept through the camp of 3 million of God's people, the Jews. Listen to me. They didn't have texting. They didn't have emailing. But it only took about 24 hours for a negative report to sweep like this, epi- this pandemic uh, virus that, is, uh, that we've been dealing with. Cross, went across the whole nation to which they comp- it completely stripped them of any hope. First of all, it stripped them of all the memories of God's glorious deliverance. And then it stripped them of any future hope. An evil report. Unbelief. For the sake of the future generations, though, who would possess, go on and possess God's promises through Joshua and Caleb... God honored his covenant during their wandering in the wilderness. Listen, 11 days turned into 40 years. Yet God was so gracious, he provided manna. It was a bread-like substance that fell from heaven daily, every morning and every night. For 40 years, they drank from a rock that flowed supernaturally out of the ground to quench their thirst. The Bible says that the, God gave them a, a pillar of fire to keep them warm from the cold desert nights. And then he gave them a cloud over them during the day to keep them from the burning sun. Do you think I'm telling you, God is awesome. That is supernatural. But yet when, you're, when you have a negative attitude, you can't even see the good that is actually going on in your life. Neither did the Bible says in, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says that their clothes nor did their sandals wear out. Isn't that amazing? That's how much God cared for them. He is an awesome God. Yes, it may be tight for you right now. Yes, things may look like they're going in the opposite direction, but but God has never forsaken you. God has never forgotten about you. He cares about every aspect of your life. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. My point is He cares so that you wouldn't have to. Our part in this season of instability and uncertainty. The Bible says we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, the author and the finisher of our faith. He, uh, listen, the moment you got saved, he authored the beginning of your redemption, and he's the finisher of it, and everything in between. And he's going to take care of you. In Mark, the fourth chapter, Jesus said, Just finished his message on the parable of the sower. And verse 35 says, The same day when the evening was come, he said to the disciples, Let us go unto the other side. Now, just for a moment, stop. I'm going to change gears and go to Matthew. I'm not going to turn there, but Matthew 14 is a story that is similar, only it is a different story, where, Jesus, where he, after feeding 15,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, you would think at that point the disciples would get a revelation of who God is. So Jesus instructed his disciples. He said to them, after they were done distributing the food, he said, no, I want you guys to get into a ship or to a boat, and head over to the other side. I'll take care of things here. I'll close up shop here, and I'll meet you there. Jesus, though the disciples didn't know this, there was a storm of brewing, and they didn't know it. Jesus probably didn't know it at that moment, but it didn't, didn't matter. Why? Because he knew that he would take care of them. In Mark 4, verse 36. And when they had sent the multitude away. They took him. Now now we're back at Mark 4 where Jesus is back in the boat with them. This is a different story. Now he says, let us go over to the other side. You know, when he said, let us go over to the other side, it reminded me of Isaiah 55, where verse 11 says, my word which proceeds out of my mouth shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto it's sent. When God says something, that's it. The only one that can sever that power of that word is you. The only one. Otherwise, it'll be fulfilled. Hallelujah. So when they sent away the multitude, they took Jesus as he was in the ship. And watch this. And there were also with them other little ships. I'm sure there was. I'm sure sure people say, I don't know how this happened. But my goodness, he just fed fed me. And my belly's full with five loaves and two fishes. I think I'm going to follow him to the other side. Maybe we can get a meal on that side. The little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves best beat into the ship, and so that it was now full. Think about this. The boat was full. How do you think the other little boats were? <laughs> they, they were probably in the same position as the disciples, full of fear. And the Bible says, uh, and Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Master, don't you care? Carest thou not that, watch this, we are perishing? Well, they weren't perishing. They were still alive. There was no water in their bellies. They, were, they weren't perishing, but that's what fear did. Don't you care? Aren't you concerned that things aren't going the way we thought they would? I mean, you're with me, Jesus. You are the Word of God made flesh. I mean, how in the world did this happen? We are in a storm and we're losing our lives. Don't you care? I thought it was interesting. Their response wasn't, Master, wake up, sir. We are in a bad storm, and those little boats are about to sink. They didn't care about the boats around them. They didn't shake them and say, Master, we're concerned for your life. You could actually lose your life if we don't do something about the storm. No, they weren't even concerned about him. They were just concerned about themselves. Hmm. Listen to this. What they failed to recognize is this. The storm wasn't about them. It was about him. Why? Because as you read in Mark 5, he ends up in the place called Gadara, where there was a man that was tormented his entire life, demon-possessed. And that's where Jesus was going to minister to someone. The Lord said to me years ago, when you're going through a hard time in your life, expect God to use you at the end of that, at the outcome of that attack. Because someone else needs what you just went through to know that God is faithful. Amen. I said, amen. I mean, just think about this. Do you think the creator of the worlds could, in a boat, that boat could sink? Of course not. It's impossible. The word of God can't fail. Their part was just to trust in the word. The Bible says, he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said, peace be still. I love that. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the, uh, the sea obey him? And when, the Bible says, no, let me finish that. Even the wind and the sea obey him. When it comes to this pandemic virus called fear that has taken our nation by storm, as Christians, we need to be the ones who declare, peace, be still. <laughs> I think about the nurses and doctors that are Christians in the hospitals. What, I, have you joined in the party of fear-mongering? Or are you the one that rises up and say, yeah, I got my mask on, but my faith is in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I got to walk into that room where there's a virus, but I, don't, I got faith in Jesus Christ. And his blood covers me, and that not, nothing's going to harm me. That's what faith says. People around you, they're full of fear. You're the only one that has the authority to say, peace, be still. Everything's going to be just fine. Amen. Someone told me, excuse me, I heard a a, a news report from some gentleman on the news. He said, it's a sad day when the abortion clinics are open 24-7 while the churches are demanded to close their doors. Listen, since Roe versus Wade in 1972, listen to me, over 61 million babies have been murdered. A pandemic disease of cold-blooded murder. And the world sits silent like they did during the Holocaust. I don't... Death, death is not funny. Losing a loved one is not funny. But listen to this. Just under 40,000 lives were lost in 2019 due to vehicle accidents. So may, is it maybe time that we completely get rid of all rigs and go back to horse and buggies? I mean, it's just nuts. This is, it's, it's crazy. Listen to this. Since the nation has shut down, suicides are way up, domestic violence is at an all-time high, alcohol and drug use is way up, depression has increased exponentially, and it's time to tell our congressmen and our congresswomen, hey, it's time for America to get back to living again. I don't want anyone to live by my convictions. However, I'd rather die having lived a life of faith in God than live with the fear of dying. If you cherish your natural life that much, you're not pleasing your father. Because even Jesus says, except you take up your cross, deny me, I mean completely deny, excuse me, deny yourself and follow me, you'll have no part in me. We got to wake up and realize what our calling is. Our calling isn't to save our lives on this side. Our calling is to promote his life so we can save others. No, I don't mean for you to be foolish. No, I mean for you to be insensitive. You have to do your part. But I, you you got to understand when you're walking in the middle of warfare, you better understand that you are equipped by God's word and by his spirit and by his blood and by the name that's above every name. Otherwise, you'll succumb to the fears and the propaganda that the world is promoting today. Again, the natural storm the disciples were facing was nothing compared to the spiritual storm raging within the life of a demon-possessed man. And the good news, praise God, they made it to the other side. And the good news, that man who was filled with 6,000 demons was set free. That's what ministry is. That's what the storm was about. Every time you face a relational storm, a physical storm, an emotional storm, a financial storm. Listen, there's someone facing a greater storm than you. And you're the only one that's equipped for God to use to go tell them it's going to be okay. You don't have to fear. Put your faith in God. Things will turn around. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And he really is. Now, <clears throat> you may not be aware of this, and most of you as members probably are, that when Paul wrote this to Timothy, or to the church at Philippi, he was in prison. He was in a Roman prison. A Roman prison wasn't like today where they have flat screen TVs, they got three square meals, and then, and then they have a, a workout facilities. I mean, they got everything, all the comforts of home. It wasn't like that at all. This was a Roman prison that was a dungeon, cold, damp, and dark. Paul was shackled in chains. And yet in this filthy, stench-filled, rat-infested environment, Paul tells the believers, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, when I read that, I feel so bad because I let such small things get to me. I mean, this guy, he don't deserve, all he's doing is preaching the gospel. All he's doing is telling people that Jesus is Lord. Listen, listen, the one thing that he was called to do is say that Jesus Christ is the Savior and only Savior of the world, and that's what got him in trouble. If he just said, oh, Jesus is one of the ways, there's many other ways, like people say today, Hollywood's great fame, there's many, no, there's only one way, his name is Jesus. That's what gets people in trouble. That's what got Paul in trouble. But in this environment, he's encouraging the church. Oh, I just think it's amazing. Let's read it, verse 9, 6 through 9. This is the message translation. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. I love this. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, watch this, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Some get all up, friends, I'd say, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, which is His Word, noble His Word, reputable His Word, authentic His Word, compelling His Word, gracious His Word, the best His Word, not the worst, the beautiful His Word, not the ugly, things to praise His Word, not things to curse. <laughs> Put into practice what you've learned from me. And what you have and saw and realized, do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmony. God cares about every aspect of your life. Every aspect. Every struggle. He cares about you. And is there for you. And your part is to pursue him and believe what he says in his word. First Peter, here's one key right here. First Peter 5. Peter, writing to the church, humble yourselves. No one else can do it for you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God wants to promote you. God wants to raise you up. God wants to use you to um, let people know how good he is and how merciful and kind and loving he is. Casting all of your care, that word means concerns, upon him, for he careth, he careth is concern for you. The Amplified says, I love it, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. He does, God cares. Amen. Turn to your family members and say, God cares about us. He really does. Kids, God, care. God cares about you. Mom and dad, God cares about you because he really does. He really, really does. I want you to get that in your heart. Then Peter goes on and he says this. This is the New Living Translation. Stay alert or or, stay spiritually alert is what he's saying. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like, he's not a lion, but he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So, So you stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. And remember, 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 don't forget that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering. You are. You are. I got a letter, email from Virgie in the Philippines, a widow woman who pastors a great church there. My heart went out to her because of the fact that she's by herself, raising our family, and at the same time, has pastored the church that we, Pastor Vic and I, went over to the Philippines in '85 and, and met this couple. And we absolutely we bought them furniture for their uh, little house they lived in, and they didn't have no beds to sleep on, no couches to sit on. So we bought them some stuff, and then helped them get their church started. That was in 1985. And it's absolutely doing fantastic. Lives are being changed by the hundreds, and we're grateful for that, to have an investment in that. But their, their, their environment is far different than ours. I mean, I mean, their government doesn't bail them out like ours does. So I had sent her an email, say, hey, we're sending you some financial support. And she was almost overwhelmed with gratitude again for God answering her prayer. And we're so privileged to be part of that answered prayer. But people are going through things. And some are going through far more greater challenges than you are. So remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, watch this, He will restore, support, and strengthen you and He will place you on a firm foundation, all power to him forever. And everyone say amen to that. Praise God. Now, in the parable of the sower, there are three things that choked God's word, or chokes God's word from bearing fruit or from bearing the character of God within our lives. There are three things that choke God's word from impacting our lives and changing our lives, okay? First one is called the cares of this world. That's in that's in Mark 4. Okay. Now, in Luke 14. I'm just trying to tell you, correlate two two stories here. In Luke 14, Jesus tells about another parable called the Parable of the Great Supper. And there were three excuses that came between the master and his friends or his guests or the ones invited to something called the Great Supper, okay? And um, there were three excuses, excuses, excuses were family, business, and worldly cares. Now, Let's read verse 15. When, Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus responded. See, Jesus, this man said, man, it's got to be amazing. To, to, so one day we'll be eating at the great supper of the lamb. And, but Jesus wanted to emphasize something, and that is, uh, the difference between determining what is valuable and what is not valuable. Let's, let's watch this. A certain man, Jesus said, was preparing a great, ba- great banquet, great one, great banquet, and invited many guests. Amen. And I'm sure, uh, I, I, what can I say? I don't know who the guests were, but what an honor to be invited to this great banquet. Because it was a master, someone, with, someone with significant name recognition, someone who was very popular. Actually, in the story, it's Jesus. But let's continue. So he said, at that time, the banquet at the banquet, he sent out his servant to oh yeah to tell those who had invited, come for everything is now ready. Amen. See, that's what God says to you every Sunday. And Wednesday night, when we get back in church, that's what he says to you. Come, the banquet's ready. Come, I've provided you everything that you're going to need in the near future. Come. A lot of people are turning their deaf ears to the invite. Watch this. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. That's worldly cares. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought Five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try to 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 uh, to try them out. Business cares. Uh, please excuse me. And the next one still said, "I just got married, so I can't come." That's family cares. Uh, please excuse me. See all excuses, legitimate excuses, right? The master, listen, he was fully aware of these cares. Why? Because he himself had to address them. Listen and devalue them. In relationship to his master. Every master has a master. It's like a, a, a father. If you're gonna raise your children right, you gotta stay connected to the eternal father. As a husband, if you're gonna be a good husband to your wife, you're gonna have to be connected to the eternal husband. His name is Jesus. Excuses. He had to address them and devalue them in his life. Yet what frustrated him, listen. The most was his guests placed more value on the temporal than they did on the eternal. Worldly, business, family, issues are all important to God. But not at the expense of our relationship with him and his word. And hopefully the absence from his house during this time has taught all of us the importance of his house. Maybe this is a forewarning. Maybe this is a forewarning that if the church doesn't rise up and get awakened to God, all of this will be taken away from us. The servant came and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. And ordered his servant Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. When I read that, the Holy Spirit said to me, this is exactly who he had invited in the beginning. And not because it's how he saw his friends, but how they failed to judge their own spiritual degenerated lives. They didn't recognize that they were crippled, that they were poor, that they were blind, and that they needed this provision from their master. Every one of us. I don't care what great faith you have. I've met the greatest preachers in, in the United States of America, and every one of them have their personal issues because we're clothed in Adamic nature that cripples us. And, and we've got to have God 24-7 in our lives to, to overcome these Adamic issues. So 2,000 years later, we're surrounded by the same, we call, I call them fillers, family care. They're fillers, replacing God's Word. Family cares, business cares, worldly cares, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, Mark 4. Always tempting us on a daily basis to, listen, to value the temporal things above the eternal things of God. But God is so merciful. I, you know, I, I wish I had all the time in the world just to simply share cool things with you from the Bible. Because when you, remember I've said this through the years, and and if you've never heard this, it'll help you. If you study the Bible in context, see that's where people get in trouble. Just pulling this out, pulling their favorite ones out, and and rejecting the ones that uh, that, uh, call for responsibility. But if you'll study the Bible in context, and you'll stay humble before God, you will never get into error. Never. Never, I say. You got to study it in context. The book of Hebrews is all about uh, the story of of Israel's journey through the wilderness and the mistakes they made. And the reason the Apostle Paul penned these stories down by the Spirit of God is so that we could study their lives, not to condemn them, but to learn from them. So we don't repeat the same mistakes because we're all the same. Even if you're born again, you have the same challenges that they they did. They weren't even born again. And then, of course, he's telling this story and And then Hebrews 4, verse 13. I wish I could have started in verse 1, but verse 13 says this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Nothing. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He's the one to whom we are accountable. Now, that's not some negative threat or something. He's just simply telling you. God knows everything, every tiny aspect of your life but still loves you and has the answer for every issue that you have in your life, every challenge, every temptation, every struggle. He has the answer. He is the answer. He goes on. So then, since we have a great high priest, this is beautiful. Who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. What does that mean? Does that mean he rubs it in our face? No, no. He, wa- he, he was touched by every struggle that we go through. And then turns around and empowers us to conquer the same struggles. So let us come boldly to the throne of God's great... or The gracious... Of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that is absolutely true. The part is sometimes I think we fail is that we don't come to him as often as we should. We get opinions from other people. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And God says, hey, but what do you think about me? Hmm. He's your father. You may not have a father that did the best for you. But you have a heavenly father that understands every aspect of your life and is there for you to help you. He really does care. God cares and he's there. Before I close in Psalms 23, i got a few minutes. I want to read this and I want you to read it with me in a minute. But I wanted to share a story with you about God caring. In 1973, I was in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, had, I was trucking in 72 only locally. And in 73, I went on the road full time. And um, I had some truck work done on my truck in Indianapolis, Indiana. And then from there, what it was is I had to have all the Mayflower decals put on my truck and stuff. So I drove my truck there, picked up my trailer, and then I... Um, Went to uh, from there. I took my first load to down to um, part of it had to go to Louisiana. Part of it had to go to to uh, Houston, Texas. And on my way down there, I was on a trip from hell. I broke down seven times with that truck during that journey. Yes, I'll, I I admit. because I didn't listen to my wife, I bought an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. <laughs> this truck was trouble. But I broke down seven times. But during that journey, God was bubbling up on the inside of me, giving me a song. And of course, you've sang it, you know it. So I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the fruit of my body as my life to Christ I yield. I'm blessed in my basket. My storehouse is always full. I'm the head, not the tail. What's <laughs> the rest of it. My point is this. I'm writing a song about being blessed and there was nothing, there was no evidence of blessing at all. Just the opposite. So the Spirit of God was teaching me that no matter what you're going through, what you're going through, you trust God. You keep your faith in God. On the seventh breakdown, I'm alongside a road in Louisiana in nothing, beautiful state. But I don't know, but nighttime, and it's pouring down rain. It's real spooky. And of course, I'm only 20. I'm only, think about this, I'm only 22 years old. I weigh 126 pounds. I mean, just to look big, I put two pillars under the, my seat of the truck. I, I was just, I mean, so I was not one courageous lion out there. And it was dark, and my truck was pulled over. The rain was pouring down. It was so heavy, and I had the, I had the tractor cab up. It always tilted to the front. And I'm underneath there, I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. It scared the daylights out of me. It was a trucker. He said, can I help you? I said, yes, sir. I said, this is my seventh time I've broken down. I said, I don't know what to do. I just so by the grace of God, he was like a Hank." He was a mechanic, and so he looks at the situation. Says, I, I think I can fix this for you. I got some stuff in my truck. I think we can fix this, and he fixed it, and I, that was that. I took off. Guess what I did? <laughs> I sang. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. In the city, I'm blessed in the field. <laughs> Amen. See, that's what God wants from you. He doesn't want you to each day wake up, you're murmuring and complaining, you're in the, the slew with the rest of the world with all the negativity. He wants you just to focus on Him, just to trust Him, to love on Him, to worship Him, to serve Him. Amen. You know what's going to happen? Especially as parents. Your kids are going to watch you. And then later on in life, when they're having difficult times, they'll remember these important Times that you Worship God in the midst of adversity And you trusted Him I'm going to pray for you today But before we pray I want to read Psalms 23 And uh, I want you to read it with me out loud It's going to be on the TV screen Of course it is a Psalm of David It says that And uh, it was a Psalm that God gave him I don't, I don't know where he was In his life at that time But man he had gone through a lot of things Especially the first 13 years of his life think about this God anointed him with oil and all hell broke loose from that moment he ran for 13 years from the king of Israel who had an army out there looking for him yet he remained faithful to God and I'm sure that one night he's worshiping God and the spirit of God comes upon him and he begins to declare who God was in his life. So let's all, let's all of us together read this out loud. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. Hallelujah. He leads me beside still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, Uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely, and only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love. He's saying this in the midst of such adversity in his life. But that's the kind of relationship he had with God. Let's go back to 6. Surely, your only goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days the house of the Lord and His presence shall be my dwelling place. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a minute in your home. Please let me pray for you. Before I pray for our congregation, I wanted to pray for anybody out there that might have just tuned in and you were inspired by the message. I really do. I just want you to know, if you'll study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, It's all about the history of Jesus, mostly his ministry. You'll find out this. He never required a resume from people to check out their history to make sure that they were worthy enough to receive anything from God. Never once. Never questioned them. Never. He just healed them and set them free because he loves the world. That's why he came. He came to restore to us our rightful place with God throughout eternity. That's known as salvation. The word salvation actually means, it's got different meanings, but it means to rescue. It means to deliver from harm. It means to change you on the inside. It means to break you free from any bondages that are in your life. But your first thing is to make Him your Savior. That's the first thing. So many people, you know, I mean, first of all, we get so many dumb ideas from religion. First, uh, That God, He's both the author of, 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 uh, He's both the author of uh, death and life. He's both the author of accidents. No, 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 He's not the author of anything that's bad. He's the author of all that is good. He's not waiting for you to make a mistake so He can smack you across the head. He's waiting for you to respond to His love and mercy so He can get inside of you and make your life count. Okay? That's how important this is. My life was so broken when I came to Jesus. Even today, 50 years later, I still stop and think, God, how in the world could you love such a low life with me and touch my life? But he did. He really did. Because he loves people just where they are. So I want you to pray and say this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior. I receive your presence by faith. I receive salvation by faith. And I receive the presence and person of the Holy Spirit by faith. Thank you, God. Tell him that. Thank you, God, that right now I belong to heaven. Right now, because of the shed blood of Jesus, I'm your child. And from this day forward, I will serve you by the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, if you prayed that, please let me know. Please email me at Bang at faithfamilychurch.com. I would love to hear from you. I mean that. And I'll respond to you. Now I want to pray for the congregation. I don't want you to have fear. I want you to stay in faith. I want you to know that God cares about everything you're dealing with right now, with your family, everything. Amen. If there's division, drive it out. If there's fear, drive it out. If there's doubt, drive it out. You stay faithful to God. He's going to get the glory out of this. You pray. Pray for our president. He's got a heavy load. And I'm, let me tell you about it. He knows exactly what's going on. So you pray for him. Got to give him the wisdom that he needs. Listen, even in your life, there's so many voices that come on all sides of us, you know, to shake us up. Think about him. He's got enemies right in his camp that want to destroy everything that he believes in regarding the greatness of this nation. So you pray for him. And if you don't like him, shut up. Because if we had anybody else in the White House right now, we'd probably be under socialism right now. So you better count your blessings and you pray. I have children, I have grandchildren I love with all my heart. I don't have that many years left, but they have many years left. And I don't want to see America lost because the church failed to pray. And the church got critical. And the church didn't recognize who their true friends were and who their enemies were. Bow your head. Let me pray. Father, I just pray your blessing today upon your precious people. Thank you. Thank you that you care about every aspect of their life. Thank you for blessing them today. I ask you, God, that you'd continue to fill their homes with your presence. And God, as they use the authority of that name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and God, that they'll drive out anything that's not of you, all the enemies out of their home, heal their marriages, heal their relationships, God, and increase your presence in their home. And Father, we, all of us together, agree that this is coming to an end. And I thank you today, as Brother Copeland says for years, Jesus is Lord. Have a great Sunday afternoon, and I'll see you online on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to today's message. we love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.